And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Are you burnt out with your career? Are you tired of what you're doing or maybe just having a bad day? It can all look the same to so much of us on many days, and that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of the show. Before I introduce who my conversation will be with, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, and Fullscale can help you build software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io. Dot io to learn more. With me today, I have Dr. Chris Jensen, and Chris is a senior health advisor at Diagnosing Education LLC. He's also the author of After the Mask, a guide to caring for students in schools. Chris's interest in education redesign led to a competitive science ambassador fellowship with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, where Chris worked as a public health with public health leaders and accomplished educators to improve the relevance and impact of classroom experiences. Wow. What does that mean? We're going to talk all about that with someone who is definitely smarter than I am in so many different ways. So I guess I should just go ahead and say, Chris, welcome to Startup Hustle. Uh, Thanks for having me, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I, I like to start all the conversations that we have on the show with a little bit about your backstory. So let's just go ahead and jump in and maybe decipher some of this scientific fellowship and are, do I have to call you ambassador? No, no, no. I think Chris will work fine. It's i uh, I'm glad you're <laughs> impressed by the nerd speak though. You know, I mean, I, I worked hard to get that nerd speak in my resume. Hey, congratulations. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah. You know, Matt, my life has been guided by serendipity and a really good wife. Um, it is not a straight path. It is not a straightforward career. Um, I launched out of college with hopes and determinations to go to med school, and that's exactly what I did. And I went through that whole process of med school residency and then practiced as an ER physician and a little bit of urgent care for more than a decade. Um, And then I hit a point in time where, for various reasons, career and personal, I had to make a change. And so I loved working with medical students, junior residents, and saw value in education. So I made the, the very astute financial move to go from healthcare to teaching. Uh, Feel free to laugh now. But what that did give me the opportunity to do was explore a completely different side of myself while I tried to figure out my next move. And so I taught in public public education, taught science for nine years, and slowly built a consulting business. But the thing was, I really didn't find my purpose until it dawned on me that I could combine my two favorite passions, and that is medicine and education. And there are a lot of health issues in the school space, in the business space, and there are public health issues that plague corporations and school districts. They don't necessarily know how to handle because it's outside their traditional skill set. And so that's where my passion fell, coming in, 
looking at the situation, looking at the problem, deriving the causes that are fueling the problem, and then creating implementations that specifically mitigate those causes. And as you alluded to right now, both in schools and businesses, burnout's a huge one. Yeah, you know, and burnout comes in a lot of different shapes and forms. And we've talked about this on Startup Hustle before when it came to um, entrepreneurship. You know, we've had specific episodes about founders' depression. And, you know, whether you're an employee or a business owner, and I know so many people that listen to this show are on the business owner or want to be on the business owner side. And and we've said so many times, you know, entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Business ownership isn't for everyone. It's stressful. But I want to, you know, from the the world of career burnout, I, you guys heard Chris say that correctly. He was an ER doctor and burn out with it. And I've had a conversation with you once uh, outside of the show where the, the heavy weight of dealing with what happened in the ER was having this effect on you outside of work. And, you know, you had said something to me along the lines of, you know, it was hard. It's hard to see a child in pain or die and then go home after work and have a normal life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and what a bold decision to, to make such a change. And, you know, I got to commend you for that because like you, you were, you were kind of playfully joking with your own decision-making, like not everyone walks away from that stuff, but congratulations on, on finding, um, you know, finding something that, that moves you forward. Now with that, you've your consulting business. And I want to encourage everyone to go to diagnosingeducation.com. There's a link in the show notes that'll make it so much easier for you to not have to learn how to spell diagnosing and the, <laughs> while entering something in the browser. So scroll on down there and, and, and take a click. Um, you know, Chris, you work with, you're, you're located here in Kansas City, which is the home of Startup Hustle. That's also where I grew up. And I know that you work with um, other a lot of different businesses here locally. So when you go to talk about career burnout or just working with businesses or even individuals, where do you start? Yeah. So some of it is businesses reaching out to me. Other times it's me soliciting my services, but either way, the common thread is um, attrition rates in some of these high stress jobs. Um, And you mentioned entrepreneurship, which is one of the highest stress, you know, everything's riding on your novel idea. Uh, and the infrastructure you try to create to promote it. But there is this phenomenon right now where the expanding pressures of work and the 24-7 expectation to be available for work is a hard thing to negotiate because you know this better than I. Um, You know, you've built quite the enterprise. I'm working with an LLC, but what we have in common is that there's always this desire to advance your business, to be the best you can, to accept the fact you're going to have moments of failure and how do you retool and move forward. Um, and so you are grinding. Like there's this nature to grind. You, you want to you know, see your ideas through and, and maximize them. But at the same time, you're human. And, you know, and what are you doing all this for? Presumably because you want to enjoy life. Well, what does enjoying life mean to you? you know, and it can't solely be your business. And so... The interesting thing is, I think as the world is changing rapidly and so are work demands, and and we can get into the details and the weeds of this in a little bit, but as work is changing rapidly and we're on this international stage where you can contact anyone in the world at any time through any platform of your choosing, how do you adapt? 
You know, how do you adapt to that? And how do you create limits and how do you work smarter, not harder? Yeah. And you have a good point. The internet never closes. And Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the one thing I've, I've said to so many people when it, yeah, I, I've been saying that for over a decade because, you know, at one point before I did full scale, you know, I was in the ticket business and we would get orders like all night. And before we installed some automation, I remember having to wake up every couple hours and process orders. So we didn't sell things twice. And I just remember like, cause, cause the, and, and someone said to me, they're like, well, that, that just must be terrible and agonizing. And I'm like, it's not as terrible as sorting it out the next day, you yeah. know? So I, 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 all these years later, I tell people that the one thing that I've truly learned about business is that there's no such thing as a business without problems. So part of that is, you know, you're constantly trying to solve them you're constantly putting out fires. There's always something you can do better. And, you know, and then for a lot of people, if you ask them, if you say, well, how much is enough? Their answer is just going to be more. And, mm -hmm. and, and all this equates into this like continual cycle that that's really hard to put down. And, um, you know, uh, much like yourself, I've, I, I've written a, a book or two and in my book balanced me, I, I talk a lot about trying to find, that happy balance between your personal, professional, and physical life. And the thing that, you know, years later after having published that, I, the thesis that I had with that was if any of those categories are grossly overattended in your life, the other ones will come back to create that balance. And, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a physician, you've seen it firsthand with the people that drive really hard and, you know, they don't take care of their body. They don't take care of their personal life. And it's really hard to run your business from a hospital bed is the thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it'll come back and get you. So, you know, <clears throat> we've got this new phenomena of AI and chat GPT um, that's come out and man, it's pretty smart. Have you tried it? Uh, no, I have not dove into that specific platform yet, but, um, I find myself in the, whenever I'm engaging with a customer service project, I'm confident 99% of the time I'm now talking with a bot and oh, uh, I'm shockingly be, okay yeah. with it. Well, it's so, helpful. well I, I've been super impressed with it. And so I, I clicked it and I asked, I said, what are 10 reasons for career burnout? And it said, number one was lack of control over your work tasks and decision-making. Yeah. Okay. Good to know I'm on par with that plays well with what we were just saying though. It's like that lack of control. And so that's the thing is like, I said, the internet never closes or there's this, uh, you know, that was, by the way, I'm the one guilty of that little text chime that you heard. And I reached up and clicked this magical button that says focus. And <laughs> I turn a lot of the noise off, man. And I've, I've really had to learn to do that and try to try to find ways, you know, like back to the idea that the business will always have problems. That means that you're never done solving them. So like, what, what have you found is, is like, what are some simple things? I like to start with the simple things now. And like, for me, that's the, the turning off of the notifications or out, try to bundle things together. Like a lot of people get an email and want to reply to it on their phone right away or like Slack messages or whatever. Do you have any simple things that, that help you? Yeah, I do. Um, and so we'll see if I can match or beat chat GPT today, but I've got five things that I think uh, are critical action. You items. have to do it faster than the AI is the thing. Oh, I'm going to lose that. <laughs> but uh, 
but I'll give it my best shot. But let's start with what you just alluded to. So, you know, inability to escape work. You talked about notifications, right? Um, so here's the deal. You know, there is a reasonable expectation, especially, you know, speaking to the entrepreneurs or the business leaders out there, you want your employees to perform when they're in the workplace, whether that's remotely at their home. But the point is when they're logged in on your time, you want them to work hard and, and that's fine. That's a reasonable expectation. But on the flip side, if you want that performance to persist over time, you've got to then give them their own personal space, right? And so how do we do that? And there's this general thought with technology of, oh, I'm thinking of something, it's work-related, I'll shoot it out. I can shoot it out on Slack, I can shoot it out on email, I can send it by text, whatever, you know. But the point is, um, I think you have to respect, if not promote, your colleagues and employees around you of not giving you a response unless it's a truly critical need. I mean, truly critical until the next work hour that they're supposed to be available. And, you know, now employees will differ in how they handle that. I do the same thing. I, I always, I am driven crazy when I see numbers on the icon for my email or text, I have to know. And so my solution to that is I silenced my phone and watch. So I don't know the notifications exist. And then within my own family, I will tend not to address them, um, you know, until the next time I'm logged in for my LLC and working. Now, there is this fear of missing out and you get over it quick. You really do. Because I will tell you, there are very few emergencies after being an emergency room physician that you truly have to respond to immediately. You might hype it up in your mind and think it's that important. But to be honest, and I know there are some, you know, it involves the infrastructure of your company or the trillion dollar deal you've been hoping for. I get it. You're on call those days. But outside of that, you know, if you're going to want your employees and colleagues to work hard, then you've got to give them the space to then do whatever they need to, to recharge so they can work hard again for you the next day. And because technology makes this available 24 seven, if you're the company that's going to send out information at all hours of the night, okay, fine. That's your, so that's your choice to operate that way. But I would highly recommend if you want longevity and high performance of your employees, create the expectation and understanding with them that I don't expect you to respond to this until your next work hour. I'm just sending it now because it's convenient for me. And I hope that makes sense. Well, I have employees that are 14 time zones ahead of me, hundreds of them. And so, I mean, we're very much a 24 seven enterprise. And I try to make that clear because like, for example, I got the notes about today's show at 5 a.m. Because here locally, our show producer gets up to make sure that the show came out on time, that the episode, you know, just that it, that it wasn't trash. And so, so I'm receiving that, but like we have set that expectation. Um, a quick, a quick uh, thing here, Chris, I, I hope I don't cause you to uh, like spontaneously combust, but what would you guess the number is on the uh, email icon on my phone? Right now? Yeah. Oh, you're pretty fast to respond, but you've been stuck with me for 20 minutes. So I'm going to say 86. 14,185. Oh, you're one of those people. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And here I liked you so much to this point. I'm sorry. Yeah. I knew. I know. <laughs> I know. 87 would have been a dream. Sometimes, you know, yeah. So I know some people that, that I actually discourage the inbox zero mentality mm -hmm. because it's like you said, it's that, it's that, that slave to the traffic light kind of thing where it's like, stop, go, stop, go. There's something I got to do. But, but yeah, and I, you know, there's something that you said that 
I want to reiterate and, you know, not everything's an emergency. I mean, are mm-hmm. you dying? Yeah, that's an emergency. Is the building truly on fire? Yes, that's an emergency. But overall, a lot of things can, can uh, you know, be dealt with later. And, I, and I've learned a, just a little bit back to these kind of simple things. If there is an issue and you might not be able to deal with it right away, uh, say you have a client, a customer, an employee, a simple response that says, hey, this is important. I recognize that. I've got the next five hours are crazy for me. Mm-hmm. I'll get back to this and then just get back to it. And I feel like some simple communication. So you are very on par with chat GPT today, Chris, because oh, uh, the reasons for career burnout, number three was a heavy workload or work-life imbalance and then unclear or unrealistic job expectations. So, yeah, so, yeah. so let's, let's talk about volume of workload because I think it actually segues well from what you just said and, and the prior discussion. So we talked about not everything is an emergency, but you have a company, you're proud of the company, it means something to you, you wanna work hard. I think one of the things that's happened, especially, uh, and you would know this better than me, Matt, but if you have an innovative company that's kind of on the edge and trying something new, you're pushing yourself every day to legitimize what you're doing and, and get people excited about it, right? And so you are venturing into territory that not necessarily has been exposed or dealt with before. So your volume of workload is going to be tough to anticipate as you uncover things. But what I'm getting at is you ask for simple solutions, learning how to triage, right? I'm going to steal this one straight from healthcare, learning how to triage what has to be done right now, what needs to be done soon, what ideally could be done before the end of the day and what needs to be done, but really it can wait. And People get scared to triage because a lot of times they're like, well, I'm not meeting my customer needs. And I think you nailed it on the head. What I found in healthcare to be valuable, and I also found to be extremely valuable in education when you're dealing with kids, the most precious asset to a parent is just good communication. You know, I don't think many clients flinch at reality. Got your message. I'm working solid till 7 a.m. tomorrow, but this is important to me and it's my first item for tomorrow. I will be in touch. What they don't like is when they send you something they think is important and they hear nothing. Or hear right? eight days later. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so now, I mean, and to be honest, and, and feel free to correct me, Matt, because this is more your field than mine. But if you give a reasonable explanation to a client of this is important, I will address it. Here's the time frame I can do it in because I've triaged what has to happen and what can wait. And they come back with something snarky. That may not be the client you want to work with you know, if you fiscally have that option, because chances are they're going to be making life difficult for you in other areas too. Um, now I say we, that we've we fired clients for that. I mean, that kind of stuff, it's not necessarily just being snarky, but treating our employees. So the, the thing with full scale is, you know, right now we, I have 300 employees and they, and overwhelmingly, the overwhelming number of them work for someone else's company which is a real challenge because like right now we have 50 different clients, all tech companies or adjacent to it, which means we have to adapt to 50 different work cultures and have our mm-hmm. own. And man, yeah. and that's a challenge. So we're, I'm like hyper protective, like almost to the point that I'm positive. I've told clients no, just because I sn- got a sniff that they might, you know, like, and that's the thing. It's like that back to like unrealistic. So also on, on the list, uh, it, with it's actually so I asked I asked the AI 
it's weird that you have to, it's the AI or an AI. I am struggling with the like grant grim, like the proper grammar or pronouns. It must have been invented by the Ohio State University, I'm guessing. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> I know you went to Notre Dame, so I, I that is it the Notre Dame University. I don't think they're that. It high just sounds yet. weird. They, yeah, yeah, they'd have to borrow the trademark from OSU. So I feel like when you say the Ohio State University, that means like, is there like an imposter one? Is there like a second one? I, that I is don't know. I mean, do they get like? Do they trademark? get an official checkbox on Twitter? I mean, I'm just wondering. Oh, so. yeah, and that's eight bucks a month now too. Which, by the way, I support. <laughs> Elon paid a lot of money for that platform. If you don't like it, don't use it. Um, so, uh, realistic goals and priorities, man, this is a big one. in 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 my world, because when it, okay. So building technology has a lot of really open-ended answers. How long is it going to take? How much is it going to cost? What's it going to do? What should it do? What shouldn't it do? And a lot of times that like one of the things we look for is that our clients have some idea, like they know what they're doing on some little level because they have a much better set of expectations. So a lot of times when we, when we're evaluating whether or not we want to work with a client and they're quote, non-technical, we want to make sure that they understand what those, because the thing is, is as an entrepreneur or someone that's innovating building or really even paying for services, if you feel like it's slow or it's behind, it creates pressure and stress. And that is not when you are your best person. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's also why having the right people around to do work with you is good. And that's why I'll remind everyone that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. You can use Fullscale's platform to define your technical needs and then see which available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Fullscale.io to learn more while you're down there clicking that link. Make sure you go visit diagnosingeducation.com. Sorry, I had to squeeze a little. We had to pay the bills there a little bit, Chris. But <laughs> but yeah, that the, the goals and the expectations. But let's talk about the people that are around you. Because like being able to delegate and have someone else to pass things off to or you know, like there's nothing better than, uh, well, most, you don't see people when championship teams have more than just one star player on, you know, on, in so many shapes and forms. And they usually have at least one, but you know, a couple, and it's important to have people that can help you carry that workload. Or in, in my case, I'm just a big fan of the partner employee or, or, or whoever, that loves doing the stuff that you don't. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think it's practically, it, you know, you want people you can trust and rely on for a whole host of reasons, but also from an operations model. So I'm going to weave in and, and, and bring us back to volume of workload again. If your volume of workload is high, you're going to have to decide what you want to handle in terms of that workload. And if you're by yourself, what priority you're going to give that. Now, if you're blessed to have other employees, your triage becomes very important in regards to who you work with. So you've got your level one priorities. This has to be addressed now, like right now. You've got your level two priorities still emergent, but it can fall after level one. So we want it done as quick as possible, but it's not an immediate threat. That's what I'm going to delegate to someone that I trust, right? And I'm going to take a lot of stress off my plate because while I'm dealing with the fire in the building, metaphorically, they're taking care of another important item. 
And you know what? Everything below level two is stuff that, yeah, I want to do it. I want to address it. I know it exists, but let's be honest, it can wait. And I sent those emails to the clients explaining, this is important. I will address it. I'm glad you told me, but here's my timeline, right? And we're going to work our way down. And so to, to your point, having an operations model where you work efficiently is really dependent on working with good people, right? I mean, you cannot be all things to all needs at all times. You can't. And so you're going to have to delegate things and being smart about how you delegate. And then if you're blessed with lots of employees, who's good at this? Who's in their wheelhouse? Who's my go-to person? It's delegated. It's done. It needs to be out of your mind. And if you've you know, worked with them professionally, they're going to get back to you and say, hey, Matt, I want to let you know that item 32 is done. You know, and, and you have that reassurance. Um, I think about in the emergency department, you know, what do you do when you're on an overnight shift and you get three critical patients at the same time? That's not a what if game. What That's reality. For real. How That's do you a, handle that? You triage. And so there is one of me and I can only be in one spot. So what will I do? I'm going to see all three patients quickly as fast as I can. I'm going to send my best nurses into the rooms after I've seen them. And I know things that I can start. So, okay, I've got, you know, a car accident, a chest pain, and um, someone who's bleeding. After I've laid eyes on all three, I can tell the nurses to start things, get things rolling, delegate a process that's going to benefit that individual until I know more certain labs, certain things, certain consultants, I'm going to spew out that information. And the very talented nurses that I'm blessed to work with are going to make those operations happen while I'm focusing on something that a doctor has to do right here and now. And once that's done, then I switch rooms and the nurses take over the level two priorities in that room I just left. You know, and a business in a lot of ways can run like that. I'm triaging my business needs. What do I as the CEO need to address? What is a CEO level problem that needs my attention right this second? And the other things I'm going to delegate to people below me that I trust. Once I'm done with this CEO problem, I will shift and I'll reshuffle what my workers are doing because I'm available now for something else. Um, and it's you the same triage mindset. You said a couple of things that, that have been a popular, uh, popular topic for me lately. So in, in a very shocking move to my employees, I, about two months ago, I hired a mindfulness coach and, hmm. um, have really, uh, helped tremendously. You said the phrase, get it out of your mind. And there's something that she has said to me that, so she is what I would classify as a non-technical kind of person, but, but always refers to the programming. And I was talking about some stuff and she just said to me the most, the, the, the simplest things you realize it's just you that's choosing to be upset about that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, you know, like you're a hundred percent right. And, and you know, the idea that, okay, it's back to that. Not everything's an emergency. Like there are things that you are rightfully stressed about. And then there's a whole bunch of other shit that you're choosing to be stressed about. Yeah. And then there's one other thing you said that was, is this a CEO level thing? So part of what I, as I entered this process of trying to prevent myself from career burnout 
And, you know, like, and so I said, well, what's bothering you, Matt? Like, what's the main, what's the main, what are we working on here? And I said, you know, I feel like I die a death by a thousand tiny cuts on so many days. Okay. Well, explain to me what your day is. Went through this whole thing and get the response. Almost none of that sounds like what a CEO of a 300 person Inc. 5000 award-winning company should be doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're right. So, okay. So I validated that. What next? You need to find someone that's going to do all of this stuff. Why are you continuing to do it? We show up and continue to do a lot of stuff and we get busy and we tell ourselves, I don't have time to teach someone else how to do it. I can do it faster, blah, blah, blah. And the fact is, is every time you continue to do that stuff and not delegate or train someone else to do it, you just continue to sentence yourself to a life of doing all that crap, whatever yep. it is. We all have crap that we don't want to do. And if, if it's not, and the thing is, is if you don't like doing it or you don't want to do it, or you're not good at doing it, you probably won't do it at all. Which if it's a little fire at that point gives it time. Well, sometimes those little fires just smolder out and go away. Like mm -hmm. the, in time management, they like to say that one of the worst things you can do is take something that didn't even need to be done and do it really well. Like gold plate it, crush it, you know, like just do an A triple plus job at it. And then sometimes the things that go unattended get even worse, but they all kind of swell up in your head and then your head explodes is basically the feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an outstanding point. And, you know, when you talk about, all these little things that you might want to address or you feel the pressure or the pull to address, I could do it faster. By the time I explained to this person, I could have it done. The problem is, like you said, you're pulling yourself away from the higher level stuff that you need to be doing. And, and, and this is a guess on my part, but I suspect that a lot of that is because when you grew your company, you started out, I don't know what, by yourself. And then you grew, and necessity, grew, and grew. Yeah, necessity. yeah. And so you were used to doing everything and it's tough to give up that mindset, but as you advance, you have to, and, and flip the perspective, right? So if I work for you and I know I'm capable of doing something, but I see you doing it, to be honest, I'm like, what's the deal? Am I being micromanaged or are you just not happy with my performance? And one of the things that burns your employees out is loss of autonomy, right? I mean, you, you, have got to create a situation where they're not just coming in and punching the clock and feeling like they're there to do X, Y, Z and then leave. I mean, if you want to add to their value, show it. And so again, if, if you hire the right people and you trust them, it's, you know, you reaching out by phone, Hey, Chris, I've got this on my plate. I need you to take care of this. The end goal would be this. It's up to you how we get there. Do you understand the goal? Yep. I got the goal, Matt. And then you give me the freedom of taking care of it. Right. You've told you me took, what you, you took out another item on the AI's list. Number five, a lack of support from supervisors or colleagues. Right. Which, which to be honest, I mean, if, if I'm working for someone who's telling me in a prescriptive fashion, how to do my job, I mean, unless I'm a year or two from retirement, why the hell would I stay? Right. Cause I'm just coming in and doing exactly what you tell me. But if I'm working for someone who trusts me and says, you know, and I want to know what my boss wants. Like, what is your outcome? What is your end goal? How do I know I performed correctly? And once they explain that to me, just get out of my way and let me do it. I'll make sure I hit the end goal. You made it clear, you know, and Tr trust is the key word in that though. And that's, yes. 
you know, and, and, you know, you can spend a lifetime building trust and destroy it in moments. And that's, Correct. that's the weird thing about trust. And, you know, whether it's your employees, your employer, any of that, that trust factor. And man, I got to tell you, that's the hardest part though, when it comes to business ownership is finding people that are going to continue to do that reliable thing, think intuitively and grow, um, you know, which leads us to the next item on that the AI sent us here, Chris, is this lack of opportunities for growth and advancement. Um, this is something I've run into. I, I've been pretty open about talking about this at a full scale because, you know, back to that serving all these different companies, you know, we've got all these employees and many of them have, you know, will be five years old um, in 2023. And we have people that have been with us for four years that, you know, they're saying, hey, what's my career path mm-hmm. here? And, and so we've had to, and, and that became even more difficult to navigate due to the pandemic and everyone being remote because I can't, it's not, it's not as straightforward for us to have a vocational workshop mm-hmm. or, or in-house training. Like, I mean, I'd have to have people coming from a lot of different directions and doing that. So we've, we've been trying to, to manage that. Um, I, I also have realized that, that the quote lack of opportunities or career path it also just translates to many people as how do I make more money? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and you know that, and so that when it comes to not wanting to burn out a team or yourself, like, I mean, the reality is, is that people in general are happier when they have this, uh, have a purpose driven lifestyle or life. And that's something, so we just at full scale, we just went through defining a lot of that. And, you know, our, our, what, so you have to ask yourself at your business, why do we exist as a business? Like what's the purpose that we serve and begin to matriculate that message out to your staff. And for us, it's, we, we, we exist to serve our clients and through this service to our clients, our goal is to help them win. How does Mm -hmm. that, what does that look like? Who, man, it's different. I mean, that is like, that's a snowflake level of uniqueness that exists in any different organization. But um, my business partner and and often co-host on the, on here on Startup Hustle says all the time, your employees just want to know if, if we or they are winning or losing. And that level of transparency really kind of defines it. And I find that there's a lot of people that well, I mean, Chris, I, I don't have a 100% employee retention rate. So not everyone's meant to make it. Like there is like this Darwinistic quality to careers and business and and a lot of that, that sometimes people begin to understand that where they're at in your organization isn't the right place. And I have helped, I have helped people free up their future. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's my decision. Sometimes that's theirs. But the fact is, is that, that unhappy, unhappy beacons that are spreading that, that negative light or, or lack of everywhere can really have an effect on everything you do. So I think that, you know, the, one of the things we talk about the people we work with and the people we work around and all of that is sometimes you just got to sit back and maintain, like, you know, is there a toxic element? that's here. Is it me? Is it someone else? Is it a lot of things? And, and that's a tough balance as an employer. Cause at the same time, I have this policy of not saying that dog shit is anything other than that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know, man, it's, it is, and you know, you talked about the triage thing. We often refer to that as plate spinning, 
you know, like the, the, you know, you're running around as the entrepreneur and, you know, that means some, some days I'm the chief bottle washer and right. some, I say the CEO actually stands for chief everything officer, <laughs> uh, which is, it's true. So you got to do a lot of stuff. So, you know, I mean, a lot of different things. All right. So that, and that, by the way, that led us to, to number eight on the list, um, what, which was exposure to excessive stress or conflict. Um, mm-hmm. but, but that not, I'm not really trying to plug my book balance me here, but one of the things that was in there, I have a whole entire chapter about communication. It has to do with personality styles because the conflict that occurs so much in life is because one personality style is different than another. doesn't mean one is right or one's better or the other, but that is a clash. So I, I learned that. Because, you know, 20 years ago, I was having a difficult time making sales to people that didn't have my own personality style. I read a book yeah. about it and I, and I, became, I became a lot more self-aware um, about how, how my message can be heard. So remember, if you're trying to communicate anything, it's best received in the, quote, language that the recipient wants to hear it in. So some... Sometimes it needs to be a little more soft-spoken. Sometimes you got to really make the point, but it, it works in a lot of different ways. But but stress always clouds that. Yeah, it, it does. And you know the the skill of knowing how to talk to people and depending on the situation, what level of directness you're going to use to talk um, is it. I mean, it's not even enough to say it's a critical skill. It's it's probably one of the most important skills um, in any career field. But, you know, interesting, a little bit of an anecdote, but there was a client that I worked with um, and one of their problems was that they had hired three or different people in the last two years for a particular leadership role. And um, they, first of all, the, the goals of that leadership role were ill-defined, um, believe it or not. And so we worked on making them incredibly concrete um, where they could be assessed quantitatively instead of just gestalt which I mean, it's really hard to know, are you winning or losing, as you said, when you don't know the metric, you know, that you're up against. Um, But the second thing we talked about was when you make your next hire for this role, have you considered in this glorious job description that you wrote, writing the personality of the person you want to fill it? And they said, no. And I said, well, why would you not? Is there some HR guideline that prevents that? And, you know, obviously there's not. And I said, make it fair make it fair right out of the gate and get the right person. And then on the flip side, you got to have faith that you hired the right person. And I understand they're new and you're going to ease them in and you're going to be incrementally uh, increasing their level of responsibility. But at some point, have faith that you hired the right personality with the right skills, give them the task and get out of the way. Um, and I'm this happy is to another say- thing though, like for like type A people usually don't make good accountants. <laughs> yeah, they really don't. I mean, I'm a high type A person and I'm a terrible accountant. I mean, I know how to do it, but I hate doing it and I don't have the patience. And I, I give you an example because an accountant has to make things balance. And when it's off by a penny, they might have to spend a lot of time finding that penny. I just write the penny off. Right. And see, that's not the right way to do it. And, yeah. and, but, but the, you have a great point. It's also like customer service people are better type B because that's, mm-hmm. a, that's more of a listening persona on that side where the type A would be like, 
F you lady, you know, and that's not really great customer service, but you have a really good point with defining that. And, you know, the, and, and, and with that as well, you'll find that different personalities will bring us to number nine on the list, which let's say a lack of meaning or fulfillment in one's work. I wouldn't find a lot of personally, find a lot of fulfillment and a customer support role. I could do it because I know how to say, I'm sorry you feel that way. We'll see if we can fix that. But some people just live to do that kind of stuff. And, and those people are the ones that will say to me, they're like, dude, I don't know how you do what you do. Like it would just mm-hmm. make me crazy. And I say, you know what? Thank you for doing what you do. So I don't have to do it. Uh, you know, and that that's, there's a lot to be said there. Now, once again, with me today is Dr. Chris Jensen, Senior Health Advisor at Diagnosing Education, LLC. You can go to diagnosingeducation.com. There's a link in the show notes for that. Chris is available to be hired to help you or your company, uh, just reach out. And there are a lot of different services and stuff. Um, I know firsthand, uh, he, uh, he works with some of my clients and they say amazing stuff about him. Um, here in this modern world of employment, um, <laughs> I, there's an expectation of providing some access to mental health tools. We actually just did that at the full scale office in the Philippines. We have a mental health advisor to help with all that. And just like, here's the thing is like, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of different stuff that you can deal with. So Chris, as we arrive at the end of our time here today, I mean, what are, what are some of the, like, when you think about career burnout and, and we'll encompass that across, because yes, as a business owner, you can be burnt out with your business as much as an employee can. Like, I mean, I know we asked AI and a lot of other, other different things. And then there's like reality, like what are some of the, I mean, after this conversation and all of your experience, I mean, what are, what are the top things that you're going to recommend? I, I mean, so action plan wise, and then gestalt thinking action plan wise, triage your volume of work. Sometimes you can't control the volume that comes at you, but you can determine how you delegate, what you address and the order you take it in. The second thing is you need to create an environment where you don't feel isolated. If it's you against the world, you're going to lose. So that's having peers and colleagues you can network with. That's people you can reach out to. No one knows everything. What's your support system? Don't fall into a trap of, I have to do everything because you will, as you said earlier, die a death of a thousand cuts. Um, Inability to escape work. A lot of that falls on us. How do we set limitations? When do we ignore notifications? What do we do to ignore prompts? Do we go hide our phone in a drawer? You know, you will be more productive if you've recharged. That is undeniable, right? But if work is a 24-7 process, good luck with that. Um, loss of control and autonomy. If you feel like you're not in a situation where you're valued and you don't have the respect and autonomy you deserve, then what incremental changes, instead of being upset about it, what incremental changes can you do, can you make and engage with to earn that autonomy and get that value back in your job. And if you can't do it at the company you're at, then maybe that's a sign it's time to move. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, the last one that I would say, and it's more of a gestalt thing, I think it's really important for people to sit back and realize that career burnout, you know, is not an individual shortcoming. It is not connected to or correlated with your personal resilience. Ironically, people with some of the highest drive, the highest determination, and the highest resiliency are the ones that often work themselves to the bone more so than an individual that's that's more relaxed about their job. 
And so it's not a sign of there being an issue with you. It's usually systemic changes that are in front of you. And whether it's you starting your business or you being part of a large corporation, there are always system operations that you can look at and say, okay, so what's driving me crazy? I already understand that I feel frustrated and tired. What is driving me crazy? What's driving that process? What are the causes behind that process? How do I address those causes? Some you may not be able to fix. Most of them you will, right? So then where do I put my time and effort to fix them? But what I want people to realize or what I hope people to realize is it's not, burnout is not a reflection of you as an individual. Burnout is a reflection of a system process that you're up against. So please don't put extra stress on yourself thinking there's something wrong with you. When in reality, it's simply a process you need to remediate and mitigate because I don't think the error is the individual. I think the error is the workflow setup. Well said, sir. Um, because I'm an entrepreneur and I don't understand words like gestalt, um, I, I went ahead and asked the AI what that was, because why not? Um, gestalt, I like to define things. Anyone that lays acronyms down or anything like that, gestalt psychology is a school of psychology that focuses on organization of mental experiences, particularly perceptions and the relationship between them, yep. which, you know, so here's the thing is perception is reality. If the people that work for you or yourself perceive one thing that, um, even if they are the only, are you, they or you are the only person that, that has that perception on some level, that's the reality. Um, people have argued this point with me, but I do believe that like, if, if someone else thinks you're a jerk on, on their level, you're a jerk. And it's just right. kind of the way it goes. Um, really in the end, when it comes to today's topic, and we talked about so many different things, I think the key, I think the key thing here is, is ask for help. Like mm -hmm. ask for help from the people around you, from anyone, um, or if you're in a spot where you just don't feel healthy at all, ask some, I mean, get, get outside the company, go find it, ask for help. Uh, the hardest problems to solve are the ones that no one knows exist. And that's why you have to have this level of sharing and, and asking if you, if you own a business and you feel overloaded, find people to help you. It will free you up to do a million things. Um, I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years studying the traits and qualities and actions and processes that geniuses do and what, like, what are the elements that come into that? And they all, you have to be untethered by negativity. And that comes in two forms, self-doubt and people around you. So, you know, it's, it's, it's much like any virus that would spread um, negativity is on that list. So I think that it's so much easier to feel better about a lot of stuff um, when you have that not in your life. Once again, Dr. Chris, thanks for joining me. I'm going to catch up with you down the road, man. It was an absolute pleasure and I appreciate it. You take care of yourself and I'm glad I came close to the bots level of proficiency. I think you nailed it. I think you are chat GPT. <laughs> that, that's the highest accolade I've received this year. What a, what a great just, way to close out. By the way, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big compliment because this, this looks pretty smart. It's, yeah. So, all right. <laughs> I'm going to so go much, ask, man. I'm going to go ask it why I'm not as smart. So I'll see you around, man. <laughs> all right. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button 
then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.